Lost River, take 32. And action. Lost River is lost no more. Yes, friends, you can be part of a modern ecological miracle. Acres and acres of reclaimed land nestled in a scenic mountain valley, site of the newly formed Lost River Lake. You'll find swimming, sailing, snorkeling. There's something strange in the water at Lost River Lake. Something you can't see, something you can't feel, until it's too late. Started in a Texas pond. Barbara! Barbara, there's something in here! David! David! Well, it's still watching. It's the quickest way to know if they're down there or not. What are you doing? You trained the pond? Yes, we found You let them out! They were unleashed into America's waterways to churn quiet streams into rivers of living death. Keep your hand out of the water. Ow! What's wrong with the water? Dad! Stay back! Dad! Stay back! The water was carnivorous fish. deadliest man-eaters of all. In schools of hundreds, they attack and devour anything that moves with razor-sharp teeth that can strip a man to the bone in less than a minute. There'll be no way to contain them. They'll be able to swim up every river system in the country. There's a school of piranha heading straight downstream towards your resort. They'll kill us. All of us. Science fiction. Say that word. What the piranhas? What about the piranhas? They're eating the guests, sir. They're here. They're hungry. Piranha. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Definitely First Blood. I'm Christopher. And I'm Mitch. And yeah, so this is episode 24. We are a horror movie podcast. Mm -hmm. We talk about horror movies of the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and one time today. Yeah. And what a day that was. Yes. (laughs) 24 episodes, though. That's like almost six months. Yeah, and an excellent Kiefer Sutherland vehicle. Well, that's ours, not episodes. 24. (laughs) Is there a show called Episodes? Who knows? Uh, yeah, actually, there is. Good. It's. I think Matt LeBlanc is in it. I have a feeling we've lasted longer than that has, maybe. I don't think so. No? No. Well, we will. Mark my words. We're coming for you, LeBlanc. <laughs> We're going to beat your record in terms of number of episodes. Okay. <laughs> mark my words. Yeah. Just in terms of, like, the, the show episodes or just the number of episodes he has in general because with friends well, no, I, mean, no. I think that's pretty much episodes of episodes okay yeah. we'll have to look it up and see how many they have but i think they run for a couple seasons i don't know i didn't yeah. watch it but neither did i so i can't wait to f- completely forget about mentioning it at all <laughs> <laughs> by the end of the podcast <laughs> for sure <laughs> so how are you this week i'm doing well again talking like as if we haven't seen each other mm-hmm I've seen you a couple times. Yeah, just once yeah, or twice. Yeah, across across the room. <laughs> I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't really have anything interesting to share. I found a small black and white television at work, 
It's five inches. Oh. It's very small. That's very exciting. Yeah. That's that's the highlight of my week. <laughs> so it tells you what kind of week I've had. Yeah. Uh, not a lot here either in terms of like anything really. There's some horror news, I guess, that's come out the past couple of days that's maybe interesting. Lay it on me. Uh, well, for sure, the Halloween remake is going to be rated R, which is nice, kind of a... Uh, one relief, I guess. Yeah, not PG thirteen. Not remake, reboot, sequel, sequel to the original. Rebooted sequel. Yeah, I don't feel original. right calling it a remake, and I'm very excited to it's see good. it. But the Suspiria remake mm-hmm. also had some news. They revealed the runtime. Okay. Because originally, I guess it was three hours when they were doing like test screenings and everything. It's uh, a bit long. But they've trimmed it down to a neat and tidy 152 minutes. Hmm. So like two hours in a bit. I wonder what was in the hour they cut out though. Only half an hour. Half an hour. Oh, true, true, true. Wow. (laughs) Well, I've also heard that it's pretty disgusting. So I hope that it is. Yeah. Well, we'll see. The murder scene. That's one I'm not like super looking forward to. But yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, because I like the original so much, and um, it looks like a lot of the stuff that like I liked so much about the original they took out, but. I mean, he just wants to do his own thing, right? And maybe that's better than just trying to emulate what Dario Argento did. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Although the second Psycho, very compelling. This is the second time I've mentioned it on the podcast. The what? Gus Van Zandt's shot-for-shot remake of Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, starring... Old... Yeah, I think we've talked about it, or mentioned it before anyway. Oh, Von Svinney. We probably talked about it when... Anne Heche was in I Know What You Did Last Summer. Ah, yes, yes. Good point. (laughs) It always comes back to Heche. Always comes back to Heche. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any other horror news? No, that's all I got. Okay. Anything of note, anyway. Well, then, shall we dive right into the movie? Yeah, sure. Let's (laughs) go ahead. So we're talking about Piranha today. Dive right in. I got it. Good. Just for the listeners at home, maybe they didn't. They say that the key to comedy is repetition. Yeah. Just repeating. It comes in, it comes in threes. Twelves. Yeah. Oh, threes. Well, just like uh, piranhas, my jokes don't come in threes. They come in giant, overwhelming swarms that <laughs> leave everyone lying on the floor and not because they enjoyed it. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we open on a dark and oddly smoky night in the mountains with uh, two teens hiking and neither of them has a flashlight so I'm not really sure how they're seeing where they're going well it's eerily lit like most woods and movies seem to be in addition to the smoke (laughs) Barbara and David Mm -hmm. are their names though that's really not important in any way they're just meat (laughs) spoiler alert so they stumble across like a classic please don't come in here oh god do not come in here. Here's a sign that says don't come in here. Abandoned military installation. Dumb horny teens. So they're going to go in there anyway. Yeah. Who cares if this is a nuclear testing facility or whatever it said? I think that it said that on there. Maybe. Uh, I don't think. So. I, I didn't notice it. It very well could have, though. I like it. It was a lie anyways. So uh, naturally. They, yeah, they yeah. find this like gross, dark, murky pool. And, yeah, where you uh, can't see the bottom. Yeah, she decides they should jump in, take a swim, wash off, I believe yeah. is like her 
Yeah, and let me tell you, bud, anytime I see a fetid body of mystery water at an abandoned who knows what. Yeah, you want to jump in and have sex. Head first. You're constantly saying, I want to have sex in that murky water. Well, remember that last time when we were at a tailing pond and I just stuck my head, just my head in? Yeah. It was so worth it. So worth it. It it makes not a lick of sense, but it doesn't matter uh, because you got to get horny teens in close proximity to the piranhas they in the water. S- they strip down, and uh, our male dude, David, finally gets a, at least a little bit of uh, sense. He's worried that... What if this is some kind of a sewage treatment plant but or something? Barbara just tosses Idiot. him in the water instead. <laughs> and oh, as they're get. swimming, the music kicks in, and it's this weird mix of, like, Jaws meets Friday the 13th. <laughs> is this where we first hear the piranha theme? Oh, like the noise they make? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. Because we don't know that the piranhas are really in there yet. I mean, we, we do. We see like but... a shot of like one eye. So we yeah. we know at least there's a one piranha eye in there. At I least. actually don't know if they use that noise at all in the opening scene. Because I think it's supposed to be sort of like Jaws, right? Mm, that's true. That's it's like true. sneaky. And just like Jaws, except gender flipped yeah uh, david gets pulled on her Mark, there's something in here david david and when they drain this later we see just how shallow this is yeah so i'm not sure how we got pulled under totally but yeah. i guess that's movie magic <laughs> i like it movie magic but he does die. Yeah, he gets pulled under. He gets and so pulled does under, she. and then she does too after screaming his name. David, David, uh, and, uh, and then it cuts like the shot of the full moon. Ooh, as she's trying to drag herself out of the pool unsuccessfully. The camera pans over, and we see the light in the nearby building go on, and someone walks outside in silhouette. Yeah, and then cut to the title card. Piranha against uh, water, which turns blood red. We mm-hmm. get our opening credits. And then it cuts to a uh, shark video game, it, as were very popular in the late 70s. Yeah, it's the Jaws video game oh, that she's I see. playing, um, which is kind of funny because this is just like obviously a riff off Jaws. Mm-hmm. And we get to meet Maggie, played by Heather Menzies, who is a skip tracer. And she's being sent to go find the two missing teenagers from yeah, the beginning. She's getting sent off on an airplane uh, to pick up a jeep. But I don't know how she's going to find these teenagers when she can't even find her plane ticket. Uh, she's she. Let me tell you, she's an oddball. This one. I found the bigamist, didn't I? Right. And the bad check lady, Mrs. Pilgrim. Right. And I found Mo Schneider. You have three times, but those were all in town. You're strictly a city kid, and these kids are way out in the boonies. I can find anything, Earl. I'm two-thirds bloodhound. I told you that when you hired me. Her boss does not have very much confidence in her, despite the fact that she's found three people before. Yeah, three whole people. I don't know. I I did like it, though. I think it was an interesting character trait that she's kind of, like, goofy and... She's a woman of certain skills, but uh, keeping track and organized of stuff is not one of them. (laughs) Which is a lot. I haven't found anyone ever in my life. So She takes flight, and then we are introduced to our next set of characters, 
Paul Grogan and mm-hmm. his friend Jack, who are two locals in whatever this town is called that I can't quite recall. Towns- Lost River. Yeah, Lost River sounds about right. Uh, Jack, what was his name? The, yeah, yeah, the, the older, older guy. His older friend. Yeah, so Jack has this dog uh, named Randy, who's a beautiful Australian shepherd. Uh, no, and- he's a cattle hound for sure. Yes, that's what I meant, cattle hound. Uh, the short one, short-haired ones, uh, and he's dragging like a big cooler or something around, uh, bringing it up to Paul's house. He's delivering alcohol to Paul. I think is what he's doing. Yeah, man. They're talking, ripping off one another, because uh, they're both just two alcoholics living in the woods. Yeah, it's great with a dog that they seemingly sort of get to share. Yeah, uh, and. The old, he's like the old guy's like, oh, making the trek into town to drag this back is getting harder and harder. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ, dude, you can't go into town to get your own booze. But who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? He doesn't have a car though. He has to go everywhere by that raft that we see later. Yeah, that's true. But I still think that he should have gone into town instead of the old guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just on his raft. Yeah, why not? It's fun. <laughs> the old guy doesn't have a car either, and he manages it. They have a little bit of banter back and forth, and we get to learn that the river is everything to Jack. It's his alarm clock. It's his shower, his laundry, where he gets his food, he's really his toilet. living his truth, and he's very appreciative of the river and everything that the, it's, the river gives it's him bounty. and everything that comes with the river. Got the river... Wakes me up in the morning. Gives me a bath. Does my laundry. <laughs> Gives me my dinner. Puts me to sleep real gentle. I got my river. Got brandy. Paul. What do you got up here? I got scotch, gin, bourbon, and tequila. What's it to you, anyhow? Okay. Okay, buddy. Let's see. (laughs) But a man cannot live on booze alone. Yeah, he needs company. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Uh, So the previously mentioned Jeep, Maggie's in it. She's going across country, and it... Driving all over... This tough terrain. Yeah. Uh, there's rocks. She's going up a hill. And then the car breaks down. Yep. Classic. Classic. So she knocks on. She, well, she like goes out to like, oh, I got to walk. And she knocks yeah. on Paul's door. What a can, what, how convenient. Well, that's who she was looking for. She was going there specifically for him. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. I didn't get that, but that makes sense. Well, yeah. When she came, she like asked if he was Paul Grogan. Like she knew who he was. That's who she was going to see when she was driving. That makes sense, since there aren't very many landowners up there, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she is like, hey, can I come in? Uh, I've got a bunch of questions to ask you. I'm tracking these missing kids. Da-da-da-da-da. He's a very gruff dude. He's like... Cool your jets, lady. I didn't axe murder you, young couple. I can't help you. I haven't seen them. Are there any other shacks up here? Cabins. This is a cabin. Well, are there any more of them? Any places where they might be holed up? Well, 
There's an old fellow named Jack. Has a place downriver a bit, but he's not with them. And there was some kind of um, army test site way up the mountain, but that closed down five, six years ago. Come on, let's go. She's just like, oh, you're gonna, oh, uh, there's an abandoned army base? You're gonna take me there. <laughs> not at all suspicious. Very ominous, and uh, he says there's no way he's gonna go there. But then we cut to him in the car, and they're driving away. Yeah, and he has a, like, a water bottle canteen. Filled with hooch. Yeah, yeah. So um, they're driving up, and uh, Paul, they get out of the Jeep, and Paul's, like, primly carrying the canteen, Mm -hmm. sort of, like, in front of, like, really showcasing it, basically. Paul uh, gives us the info, the 411, if you will, that this used to be a fish hatchery until it was taken over by the military. And he used to hike up there with his ex-wife, and it was all kitted out with dogs and guards and everything. But now, it looks like garbage. So they press on forward into the compound, and uh, Maggie finds Barbara's necklace next to the pool. So Mm -hmm. she deduces that perhaps their bodies are in there. Uh Uh-oh. So they go look for like a switch or something so that they can drain the water from the pool. And they find a bunch of different animal specimens. There's like a a fish maze. Yeah. And then they also find a warm coffee. So they know that someone was just there. And may I say, this place is completely unlocked and wide open. Any, anyone could traipse (laughs) in there. So they find a bunch of jars filled with like mutated frogs and shit. Hundreds of them. And then there's this like stop motion frog creature that can walk that follows them around for the entirety of the time that they're in there. Which is never explained. No, and never revisited. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Lost forever. In one of the the fish tanks, there's a creature that looks like Godzilla. I also wrote down Godzilla. That was definitely intentional. And they just sort of look at it, and then they're like, this is too creepy. Let's get (laughs) out of here. Uh, They press on, and they find both of our teens' clothes in some boxes, and she decides that... She's going to drain the pond. Yeah, they finally found a lever or something. And as soon as she hits the switch... What are you doing? They're attacked by a man with a hook. Yeah, he looks like a janitor. He screams, what are you doing? And then doesn't really say anything else other than fighting. And they're still being watched by the frog beast creature thing. Yeah, for no reason. I wonder how much that cost. Just added on to the movies, never revisited. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Uh, and eventually Maggie knocks him out with something heavy. She does that a lot in this movie, yeah. knocks people out. Yeah. And uh, so they go to examine the pool, and Paul finds out that it's salt water that was in the pool because he lets it like drip over his hand. Yeah. So he tells Maggie that he it's salt water and uh, that the drain probably runs underground and then goes to the river. So... They're scoping out the place mm-hmm. again. Like I said earlier, it's a very shallow pool for yeah. having people uh, swimming in it. With a huge grate with giant holes in the grate. And they find a skeleton. Yeah, but it's a dog skeleton. Well, that's what he thinks, but it's obviously not a dog skeleton. Well, it had the weird ribs. Did it? I don't know. I think it was supposed to be like a human skeleton. I'm not an Australian. thinking it was a dog. I don't know. We'll go back and look at it. Once I I get my degree in forensics, I'll be able to figure it out. 
<laughs> As they're scoping this skeleton out, mm-hmm. uh, they hear the car start up, and the man that they've just rendered unconscious has driven off with her Jeep. Yeah, because she left the keys in But it. because of his uh, head wound, he's very disoriented, and he just ends up crashing it. Like, he's driving it pell-mell straight into the woods, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah. And So it's, it's totaled, completely totaled. They bring him back to Paul's house. Never explained how. I guess probably because it's close, maybe? It, I hope so. And uh, when he wakes up, he starts yelling that Maggie's let them out. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just leave him in bed. Yeah, they tie him to the bed and then cover him up with a nice blanket. And he's just sort of glassy-eyed, staring into the ceiling. Maggie starts at laying the moves on Paul. Like she starts by asking if she can come in the mm-hmm. living room. And then she asks if she could sit down. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when he heads into... She's like asking him questions the whole time too yeah. about his ex-wife. And we learn that he has a daughter. Um, but she's at summer camp. Yeah, just down the river. Or on the other side of the lake or whatever. River. Other side of the river. <laughs> So she slowly moves her way over to uh, right beside where he's sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. And uh, he drinks a lot because he's still slamming the booze. Yeah. But apparently that really does it for her because uh, she finally is just like, You're so tense. Hmm? I guess I'm not used to being around people. <laughs> That's obvious. I've been trying to hint my way under the covers for five minutes now. That's bone. Yeah, pretty forward uh, for anyone. But (laughs) hey, she knows how to find people, I guess. And she stays the night. Yeah, (laughs) under a yellow blanket on the couch. (laughs) And the next day, uh, Paul shows Maggie the raft that he built with his daughter Susie uh, the previous summer because they had read Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, so it's an intense lash-together raft. (laughs) And we learn that his daughter is afraid of the river. So they never got to use it. Sorry for that. (laughs) And at the summer camp, Susie is staring out at the water. She has to uh, swim to a buoy in order to pass mm-hmm. some sort of like swim test or something that they a, have at the, the summer camp. There's some sort of like competition between the different whatever I'm assuming cabins. And if if she doesn't do the swim test, she's not going to get her swim badge. And then the minnows won't win. She's letting her whole team down. But she's too scared. And uh, a camp counselor named Laura, mm-hmm. who's played by Melody Thomas Scott, and she has been on The Young and the Restless since 1981. And she's wow. still on it. Congratulations for getting such steady work. <laughs> so she comes to give Susie a pep talk. Susie? Susie, honey, don't be scared. You just have to swim out to the marker and back. You've probably swum twice that far in a pool. Well, if you don't pass your solo swim, you can't get your water badge. I don't care. Well, what is it that you're afraid of, honey? Things. You mean like sea monsters? There's just a few little fish in here. They eat plants at the bottom of the river. They're not at all interested in little girls' fingers and toes. Before our head of the, the camp, Mr. Dumont, comes, and he's an asshole, and he delivers a letter to Laura mm-hmm. and 
then is berating Susie. Yeah, like... Still haven't tackled your solo swim, Grogan? No, sir. Oh, she's kind of afraid of things in the water. Things? What things? Fish? People eat fish, Grogan. Fish don't eat people. Do you want to be the one to lose the camp competition for the minnows? Of course you don't. Uh, she's doing really well in handicrafts. Handicrafts? Handicrafts don't take any nerve, any intestinal fortitude. You know what that means, Grogan? Yes, sir. Guts. Right. Yeah, he spits out all of these, like, dumb one-liners about how much of a loser Susie is. Which, I mean, she's... She's so small. <laughs> This guy is a complete tool, and I don't know why he's around children. Is there any mail for her? Mm, nope. Skunked again, Grogan. Laura has the same hairdo as PJ Souls in Halloween as well. She does. But this was the same year that that came out. Interesting. So I guess it was a popular do at the time. Maybe there was crossover. <laughs> the, the hairstylists both trained in the same salon. So we leave our summer camp. And we head back to Jack, our other alcoholic from the beginning. Mm -hmm. He is uh, fishing with his very handsome dog. Sitting by the dock. And drunkenly rambling on and on and on. And then the piranhas come and they start nibbling his toes. Yeah, they eat his... Well, they don't really eat his feet. They chew chew on him. Mostly chew on him. And uh, Randy, before they even get there, he's sensitive that they're there. Because he's a smart dog. And he barks like hell at them, which is basically all he can do. (laughs) Maggie, Paul, and the guy from the military base, Mm -hmm. who we learn his name is Dr. Hoke, they sail down the river on the uh, aforementioned raft. And he's telling them about the killer piranhas and how the fact that they got out is all Maggie's fault, which it is. And... uh, while they're talking about this, they hear the dog barking. Yeah, he's really upset. So they go to go scope out the sitch. And at this point, Maggie and Paul are still skeptical about the whole piranha thing. They just think this is this guy's head injury. And um, But when they arrive at the dock, they see that there's a bunch of blood, mm-hmm. a trail of blood. Up to the car, up the slope that's on cinder blocks where Jack sleeps. Randy uh, brings him up, mm-hmm. and they see the dead body of Jack. He bled out. From his foot foot wounds. Yeah, which are not really... You don't really see them. His feet are very bloody, though. And naturally... I'll get a shovel. You wouldn't want to be buried in town. Uh, Paul goes off to go get a shovel and bury his friend because he wouldn't oh, yeah. want to be buried in town. Yeah, just like immediately. Yeah, we're not going to tell anyone or anything. Yeah, no just, death certificate. I guess all he had was the river. <laughs> why not bury him in the river? He loved this river so much. Yeah, why not? Let's just chuck him in there. Him. They're going to do it. <laughs> Whatever. And they killed him anyways. Susie is uh, shooting darts now at the summer camp Mm -hmm. at a picture of Mr. Dumont's face. And we meet our second camp counselor, Betsy, Mm -hmm. played by Belinda Belaski. She looks very familiar. She's in a lot of uh, Joe Dante, the director Uh, of this movie. She's in a lot of his movies. Like, she's in The Howling. Oh, that's probably where I recognize her. Yeah, she's like the friend of uh, D. D. Wallace Stone. Yeah, yes. 
So she's like the more vibing out counselor with Susie. She's like even in an inner tube, huh? Uh huh. It's almost impossible to fall in. But they can still get you. They, huh? Okay, okay. If that's really the way you feel about it, I'll try and help you get out of the race. But we've got to come up with an excuse. Do not. Why? I got poison ivy. So does everybody else in the camp. Hey, maybe you could just be getting your. No, you're too young for that. Huh? Wait a minute. I have an idea. Come with me. This counselor is like trying to get on Susie's good side. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. talking about Susie's fear of the water and stuff. And then she brings Susie over because she concocts this whole plan where she marks her leg up with a pencil crown or something oh yeah yeah so they're gonna pretend like Susie fell and hurt her knees so she can't do the swimming swimming task she's giving her an out which is really nice of her she doesn't have to do that then we uh cut away from this there's a lot of bouncing back and forth in this oh my gosh there's so many cuts and uh so there's a boy and his dad they're fishing in a canoe when the dad's line gets stuck yeah, and he's like, oh, back in my day, our, we made our own nets, and, and they never got stuck. So he's got his arm up to his rotator cuff in the water, fucking around. And then he gets hella eaten. Yeah, and it's it's even worse because, like, his arm gets pulled in, and then the rest of him gets pulled in. And his kid is like, no, don't. <laughs> no, thank no. you. I definitely would not want to get eaten by fish. No. No, and the water would hurt as well. It would hurt the whole time you were dying. No, thanks. Back with our river rafters, mm-hmm. uh, we learn about the military operation oh, yeah. that Dr. Hoke is coming off of. They called it Operation, operation Razor Teeth. What was it all for? To destroy the river systems of the North Vietnamese. Our goal was to develop a strain of this killer fish that could survive in cold water and then breed at an accelerated rate. We had everything. Blank check. And then the war ended. You sound disappointed. They poisoned the water. After all that work, poisoned the water. Oh, that sucks. But some of the mutant specimens survived. Yeah, they like poisoned all of them when they closed down the Thing. So Hoke remains uh, to tend to them and try and salvage his work. Yeah, kiss them. Who, who? God knows what he's doing in there <laughs> with Pop. that claymation creature. Oh yeah, our little slime monster. Yeah. Paul realizes that they open the dam every once in a while. Unfortunate for them that that is happening yeah. now. Yeah. And. Uh, if they open the dam, the fish will be able to get to the summer camp and the new resort slash water park. Which is heavily promoted throughout this movie. Makes me want to go there. And all of the kids are obliviously just splashing away in the water, pretty much asking to be eaten. Yeah, like, it's like, you know how they tell you not to splash around when sharks are there? It's like these kids are doing a, a parody of it. <laughs> but the, I guess they don't know that they're there. No, definitely not. Uh but I don't know. It's everything a fish wants to eat. Screaming, wriggling children. Hoke and Maggie are playing the blame game. He says it isn't his fault, that it's the politicians yeah. and the military. And he's just a scientist doing yeah. his job. You blame me? Like, he literally can't believe it. And like I said before, 
he's had the free run of this whole installation this whole time not a fucking lock on anything you would think he would like break the thing that flushes the murder demons into the public river if he's gonna be that upset about it for sure but no no and a sign a sign will do it whatever it's totally his fault imho they end up coming across the boy on from the canoe Mm -hmm. he's still hanging on except uh, on the bottom of it now yeah because it flipped over over. piranha power (laughs) And uh, Hoke jumps in to the water to go get to him. And I don't know what his plan was because they were still so far away. Maybe he was trying to atone or he was just like, I'd rather die than deal with this. But I'll chalk it up to the head injury. Maybe he was so fucking far away. Yeah, they were nowhere near it. Uh, (laughs) He didn't need to die, but I get why he had to die. He's like the bad scientist guy who's going to die. So he gets eaten. Of course, he's uh, getting tore up from the floor up yeah but he uses his upper body as a bridge so the boy can get from the canoe to the raft yeah he like crowd surfs him over and then they drag uh the doctor back onto the raft uh and he's nowhere near as bit up as you would expect (laughs) he's also not quite dead but he's about to die dramatically after they ask him how to stop the piranhas Mm -hmm. and then his like head falls over to the side ah god damn it (laughs) If only he had survived just a little bit longer to tell us their weakness. And then, like a bunch of dinguses, they leave his hand hanging in the water as they take off. Yes. And the piranha follow the stream of blood as they do. And they are so hungry for this blood, even though they've already eaten a a whole dad, at least today. (laughs) uh, They're so hungry for this blood that they start chewing through the raft. They're chewing on the the lashings and the rope, and the raft starts uh, drifting apart, which Paul notices, because I don't know how you wouldn't. Yeah, because it would immediately be like, oh, great, I'm now doing the thing where you run on a log or whatever. (laughs) It's getting smaller and smaller, and Mm -hmm. they're trying to paddle away as far as they can, and it's a real, like, will they or won't they situation. Uh, they but decide they, they decide to toss the doctor's body in the water, but the kid who just watched his dad die now believes, yeah, oh no, my dad died that way. Don't leave me. <laughs> like the body is his new dad, yeah. which is, yeah, not good. <laughs> Was the canoe his dad for a while? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I love it. Wherever you are, I salute you, child. The three of them managed to jump to the shore. Which they should have done immediately. Once the doctor died, I feel like, I don't know. Well, they're still trying to get to the dam at this point. Oh, true. Good point. Good point. So once they hit land, the drunk Grogan, he leaves Maggie with the kid, and then he takes off running in the woods to try and get to the dam before it opens. Yeah, and uh, wouldn't you know it, it's just about to open the the alarm is sounding. Uh, the camera focuses on a big sign that says, when alarm is sounding, the <laughs> yeah, bad like shit's that. going to that happen. Just just in case you couldn't put it together. And we have our That's classic... Very good sight gig. Yeah, our bumbling uh, docksman, locksman, whatever it is. He's He's watching TV, so he's too distracted to do it right away. And then he drops the crank on the ground and blah, blah, blah. Thankfully, Paul makes it just in time. Yeah. And he's able to stop him from opening the dam. Again, he took way too many risks. Why didn't he scream the whole time he was like running up to him? I don't know. I'm not going to second guess it. And 
they don't open the lock, which is good. But -hmm. what does happen is that a military procession descends upon them. And we have a lady scientist in the front row, and she's like icy cold. Dr. Mangers and Colonel Waxman. And they are just going to dump poison into the water, and they want to keep Grogan and Maggie quiet. So initially they ask the two of them to join them. Yeah, yeah. and Which uh, they decline. Which, you're the only civilians who know about this. Uh, And... It turns out that uh, Lady Scientist and our doctor from earlier had uh, romantic liaisons, it seems. Well, Bob was a dreamer. He, uh... Bob? Dr. Hope? You knew him? Well, fish genetics is a very small field. You were friends? Let's say we were a great deal more than that. You're covering up. Is it Waxman? Are you afraid of what the army might do to you if you... No, I'm not afraid. I'm a scientist. I'm head of my department. It's just that there are priorities and... Some things are more important than a few people's lives. It's not how Dr. Hope felt. Not at the end. As I said, he was a dreamer. And Paul is trying to show the colonel and the doctor that there's a stream that bypasses the dam. So it's still, he thinks that the fish are going to be able to get through. Yeah. And, at, but the colonel and the doctor want to keep them quiet and they can't risk that they're going to go to the media. So they decide to quarantine them uh, until they can lock them down. So they're in a tent being watched over by MPs, mm-hmm. or at least one MP. And they're scheming a way to escape. And Maggie has to create a distraction where she's going to flash her boobs. Yeah. And she's like, oh, what if he's gay? (laughs) Which is really out of left field (laughs) for the late 70s. And Paul's like, if he's gay, I'll go out there and distract him. So she goes out. Listen, are you gay? What? Which really throws him off. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, look up there. It's Superman directly above him. And then uh, she pulls her shirt open. Nice. Nice. I didn't catch that part. That's good. And then I think Paul like hits him on the back of the head or something. Yeah. Yeah. He comes up from behind him and uh, blinds him with like his vest and then knocks him out. Yeah. A lot of people. And the guy playing the MP here is actually the writer. Oh, good. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Grogan calls the head of the camp, uh, our grouchy counselor and says uh there are piranhas coming my daughter's at the camp you gotta listen to me this is real uh but uh he gets laughed off because he's Dumont thinks he's he's just drunk yeah because he's a notorious drunk so he asked to talk to his daughter and Dumont's like no yeah which I thought was very weird yeah I guess we're we're getting that this guy's like a bad guy yeah he's supposed to be a villain and he's got I, I like this detail he's reading a newspaper that says Baby torn apart by dogs in <laughs> giant letters on the front. Hey, nice. Weird. Unfortunately for Maggie and Paul, the police are hot on their trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they get pulled over. But again, uh, the police refuse to believe them because they think that 
Paul is drunk. Uh, and the military installation has no trespassing signs posted on it. So they couldn't have gone in there is, is the cop's logic as well. It's <laughs> fucking hilarious. So uh, he brings the two of them in. And when he brings them in, he calls the military people mm-hmm. who tell him to, to keep them there. Yeah, he gets fleeced by the colonel. And then he's a smug asshole. And he's going like, ah, you guys are going to spend the night <laughs> her hat. And you're in this cell with swastikas on it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, at the summer camp, uh, they're telling ghost stories mm-hmm. around the fire. And uh, then there's this like really nice cut where Betsy is telling the story and she's like, and there he is and points behind the kids. And then it cuts to the next scene where the colonel is watching a monster movie. Yeah. So the colonel calls the uh, water park slash resort and our good pal buck answers and he's the owner of the the resort and we learn that the colonel has stake in the resort yeah. so it's in his best interest to cover this up he's a silent partner and the resort is not done yet even though it opens tomorrow <laughs> so they're frantically trying to make sure everything goes off without a hitch and without anyone knowing about the piranhas that will kill them still oblivious of our piranha predicament. Betsy and Laura are hanging out by the water at the summer camp and looking out over it. They are going to go swimming. Betsy doesn't really want to, Mm -hmm. but Laura thinks that it's going to be a good idea to get their minds off everything. She's lamenting the fact that the only other time she gets to swim, there's all these fucking kids Mm -hmm. around. But Betsy's having weird vibes. Mm -hmm. She, She has a bad feeling, a feeling that something isn't right. And she finally agrees to go swimming, but Mr. Dumont shows up and interrupts them. Yeah, he's hunting for kids who are secretly going on a midnight swim. So they trick him and they send him in two different directions, basically, yeah. saying, oh, they're over there, they're over there. Which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. This guy's the worst. He too. really he's is genuinely a awful. Bumbling, child hating asshole. The next day in the jail. Maggie is kicking the pipe from beneath her sink while recounting the story of one of the guys that she caught mm-hmm. uh, and how he used to try and escape. What are you doing there? Did I ever tell you about Mo Schneider? Who's that? Well, he was this guy they sent me to find one time. He was a plumber and he kept running off and getting busted for indecent exposure. What are you doing there? Moe's in the pokey so many times that he developed a regular escape routine. Of course, being a plumber, he used what he knew best. So she breaks the pipe, and then she takes the back of the toilet off and smashes it on the ground. Yep. And wraps some of the porcelain in her towel that I guess they have. Yep. And when the cop comes to see what's up, she lies and she uh, says she tried to put it together, but she's just not strong and enough. gives him these big eyes. It's really funny. So he comes in, sits down, and is like, what the fuck did you do to this? And, and then she, she knocks him out. Her second uh, yeah, unconscious rendering. Our third of the movie. It's great. <laughs> I like it. Then they, she has to get his keys. So she tries, but it's attached to a chain, which is attached to his pants. So she takes his pants off over yeah, his Yeah, I loved it. That was so funny. Oh my god. She, she like tries to take it 
like take the pants off over his boots and paul's like uh, i would have thought you'd be faster getting a guy's pants yeah. off than that <laughs> yeah oh man this movie <laughs> so she unlocks paul after a while yeah, just to they, find they the keys. yeah uh, because there's also keys to a cop car on this chain so as they're driving by a donut shop or something they throw the pants at their smug asshole cop <laughs> and it hits him right in the face the opening of the water park has begun, and there's a lot of attractive people rocking 70s steezes. Yeah, they are running. Uh, including a woman wearing a head-to-toe gold lame cow poke outfit. Oh, definitely. Yeah. This is all the rage, I'm sure. Yeah. It had, wow. like, I should, we should, I should have looked it up, but it had, like, Dubois written across the, the wow. bottom of her bell bottoms. That's awesome. Yeah. Really I noticed her jealous. two times. It like sort of flashes a picture of her while she's just like standing by the water, and then she's walking behind a dick later when he's talking. I wonder if they like selected her or if she was just like, I'm a random townie who's coming to do this. I'm wearing my best lame, and <laughs> you better you better recognize where I am. I don't know. I think she must have just been an extra because I didn't I feel like that's something they would have mentioned. I hope so. <laughs> that's really good. There's also a scene where the camp director attempts to uh, cut, or he it's a ribbon cutting ceremony with crepe paper, crepe paper streamers. And he's letting this little girl cut them with the dullest scissors of all time. Yeah, it's not the camp director though. It's or uh, the, yeah, the owner of the owner of the resort book. Yeah. Yes. And when she can't do it, he's like, ah, good try. And he does. I mean, anyways. he gave her the the worst huge cardboard scissors. I yeah. don't know how you could ever be expected to cut anything. Yeah, like. exactly. <laughs> it's metaphor for this whole uh, resort, really. But back with our camp uh, director, Mr. Dumont, they are all getting ready to uh, get in the water for the tube race. And this is going to separate the wheat from the chaff. <laughs> He says, he makes a grandiose speech about why this is the most important swimming competition. And then we cut to Paul realizing the whole saltwater versus freshwater thing that they can live in both. So if they get to the ocean, there's going to be like no stopping them. Yeah, like salmon. Uh, and Dumont is really intensely peer pressuring Susie once he, realizes, once he realizes that she's not with the rest of them buddied up and everything. He's going to make her get in, but he gets distracted by the events starting. So she runs off and hides underneath a canoe. Yeah, excellent adaptation. <laughs> There's some Jaws-esque underwater shots of these kids' feet through the, the inner tubes. As they slap around the water. <laughs> and at first he's like, okay, everyone, get together. We're going to start the race right now. Uh and no one really does get together. And then when the race starts, it looks exactly the same as the chaos. This is yeah. the worst race I've ever seen. We know the piranha are creeping up because of their uh, sound <laughs> and also the, the camera shots. It's the weirdest sound. I can't imagine hearing it in theaters. Our intrepid duo is speeding in their stolen police cruiser against time. Will they make it? No. Because the piranha <laughs> started attacking the kids. Yeah. One of the piranhas jumps at Mr. Dumont's face and bites him. Betsy and Laura are kind of stranded in the middle of the river. 
Uh, they're trying to get the kids to calm down who are just like flopping around like fish, really. Screaming, panicking, kicking, you know, not actually doing anything. Being eaten alive, <laughs> presumably. Susie snaps into action and she tries to push one of the canoes into the water to go try and help, but it's too heavy, so she just grabs uh, a nearby dinghy. Mm-hmm. And naturally, she. Fuck all of her peers. She doesn't give a shit about that. Yeah, but that's cool. The kids are really bad at getting out of the water. They're oh, just I definitely like, don't they're care. They're not at doing all. anything. They're just splashing their I feet definitely and, like, kicking. Don't, do not care. She goes straight for the counselors, who are having a very hard time because they're sharing one yeah. inner tube. And despite his shitty characteristics, the camp director, Mr. Dumont, is really doing his best to try and get as many kids as he can out of the water, yeah. despite bleeding heavily mm-hmm. but still surviving he makes it out okay oh yeah uh and these are like the worst piranhas ever yeah they're say. they're very inconsistent yeah uh betsy uh gets eaten yes after... so Susie gets uh the dinghy out to betsy and laura and laura gets on the dinghy but then by the time she gets on I guess her getting off of the tube sort of pushed it away. Betsy adrift. And then they forgot how to paddle. Yeah. So she drifts a little bit too far away, and then the inner tube pops. Yeah, and these people are eating. really bad at maneuvering these watercrafts. And then she immediately sinks to the bottom. He's eaten. Yeah, she's dragged down into the depths and mm-hmm. eaten by the piranha. Fucking awful. <laughs> she was such a great camp counselor. Yeah, I actually like both of the counselor characters. Yeah. This is terrible. Paul and Maggie finally get there, and they try and warn the water park, but mm-hmm. again, they ignore her because Dick's a dick, and he's he's essentially the mayor from Jaws. Yeah, like he was already warned about the piranhas by the c- colonel, and the colonel was like, "It's not, don't worry about it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so he just totally laughs it off. Yeah. Uh, Paul and Mr. Dumont exchange some less than friendly looks like, oh, you asshole. Yeah, and, and Dumont's like sitting directly beside the body of Betsy, yeah, I think. under a tarp. And it's sort of like, ugh, egg on my face for not believing you. Words unsaid, words yeah, unsaid. Words unspoken. <laughs> and the rest is still unwritten. They leave Susie with Laura because they've got work to do. Yeah. And. They've got to head off to the water park and try and save them if they can. And at the water park resort, uh, they're getting ready to go on some sort of tour of the lake Mm -hmm. in like a boat. So the colonel is there. The doctor's there. um, There's a water skier, a couple of scuba divers. Mm -hmm. None of this seems very good in a lake filled with piranhas. Very water oriented. Uh, (laughs) One of the divers gets stuck. And is then swarmed by the fish and eaten. Mm -hmm. And back on the surface, the water skier and friends. uh, So he's doing all of these fancy tricks. And his female compatriots decide that he's showboating. So they're going to speed the the boat up to try and knock him off. We're going to put him through his paces. So they drive past the body of the driver. Or the driver. The the, diver. Uh, who is still being eaten, and the water skier sees it, and he starts to freak out, yeah. understandably. And, and slow, turn around, slow yeah, down. But obviously, there's going to be no way that they can hear him. And they don't. And it's a classic case of 
everything he says, they do the exact opposite, or they think he's asking for the exact opposite. So he wants them to slow down, they speed up. And finally, when they stop, uh, he tells them to speed up because then the the fish are going to get him. Because he recognizes it. (laughs) So they keep driving, and they come across two other boats. And so when they come across these boats, he gets knocked off. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think it shows him getting eaten, but I think we can assume he gets eaten. Oh, yeah. And then there's, uh, yeah, then there's a explosion. A giant be- explosion. Because the other boat that knocked him off the water ski crashes into the third boat. It flies into the air. Very dramatic. Very mm-hmm, dramatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can tell that the piranhas are starting to eat the bathers, not just from the point of view shots of the piranha, but because the bath- the people who are swimming suddenly start like jerking around. And yeah. Going, ah! <laughs> It's like when they get uh, attacked from below in Jaws. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like little nibbles first, and then I guess they all swarm you. And a lot of confusion. And yeah. naturally, when the colonel sees people starting to go down, he's like, God damn it. <laughs> like, it's a mild inconvenience. They're trying to, like, the people getting eaten are trying to get on the boat. It's like a, a mess of bloody people, mm-hmm. and the people on the boat are trying to kick them off because they're starting to sink the boat. Well, and when they were getting on the boat, there was a little sign that said, like, max limit, 13 people, (laughs) and then it had been blacked out, so it just said max limit, like, because of the joke that everything at this park is secondhand. (laughs) It's so bizarre. The colonel eventually ends up getting pulled off and eaten, which is awesome because he was an asshole. Uh, and we know he gets eaten because we see symbolically his bloody colonel hat falling to the bottom of the, the yeah. lake floor. All those medals couldn't save him from the piranha. <laughs> and there's uh, a lot of weird point of view shots of the piranhas attacking women's naked breasts. Oh, is for that... like split second flashes. I don't know. Not not the sexiest thing to me. But then again, Paul and Maggie have uh, finally arrived again. Uh, they're very late in their mm-hmm. arrivals. Just just too late. Always. So they commandeer a boat, and uh, they're going to go to... They're not going to try and help anyone. No, They're going to go aren't. to a nearby smelting plant mm-hmm. that's at the narrowest point in the river because Paul thinks if they release the industrial uh, waste, it'll kill the fish before they're able to get out into the ocean and spread. Yeah, but naturally, uh, his little pollution environmentalist disaster project it's underwater yeah the control room is somehow underwater it's been (laughs) flooded which does not seem great but then again make a heck of a lot of sense yeah i mean in the 60s and 70s i guess you could play fast and loose with environmental regulations (laughs) like that Uh, so he says paul's like okay so i want you to start counting slowly up to 100 then whether i'm up to the surface or not you hit that throttle and gun the sucker out of here if I'm not up by then, means I'm in trouble because that's as long as I can hold my breath. He does end up getting into the, the control room mm-hmm. and uh, he struggles with the, the rusty valves. Yeah. Struggles just long enough that the fish all arrive and they start attacking him. But uh, through the blood and being kind of eaten alive, he manages to open the valve mm-hmm. just as Maggie uh, hits 100 and pulls him out to safety kind of uh and at first she's like oh no because the the rope had been snapped or eaten through but then he comes or a weird fist emerges bloodily from the water he's all bitten up which is gonna leave some nasty scars so Uh, but it's okay 
Well, thankfully, she slept with him before the, the disfigurement. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But everything's okay. He released thousands of gallons of toxic sludge into this beautiful, pristine river. So everything is totally fine. It's a very good thing that the piranha eat people at different speeds so he didn't get, like, totally yeah, eat up. Yeah, whereas other people, whereas, like, Betsy, immediately <laughs> gone. Oh, shit. I keep, I kept calling that guy Dick, and I think his name is Buck. Buck. It, he is a dick, so it doesn't yeah, matter. It really doesn't. He's definitely not a buck. He's I'm dressed not about to go back and re-record. He's dressed like one of those dandy cowboys that yeah. went around and like shot using a mirror, and they'd shoot like a target behind their back or something. But they didn't actually know how to cowboy. He is uh, at the resort surveying the carnage, and uh, he's being recorded on TV as he like freaks out, kind of. Mm-hmm. What the hell are you filming? What the hell are you filming? And uh, we see that Paul is super injured. He's like catatonic. And for some reason, Susie has arrived at the water park. Yeah, I, totally bizarre. Who brought her there? I don't know. And she's clutching her daddy's canteen yeah, full he's... of booze as she wanders amongst the corpses and the dying. It's like she doesn't crying. want pills or booze. No, he's, he's too strong now. Yeah, which sucks because now Maggie's saddled with this kid probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if he dies, she... Uh, Maggie was like putting booze on her finger and then like rubbing it <laughs> on his lips. <laughs> it was so... It was good. It was really good. Uh, and I don't know. There's a lot of full-sized, seemingly uneaten corpses on the yeah. beach. Mangers, Dr. Mangers. Mangers? Mm-hmm. Mangers, I think they say. Anyway, so she's giving an interview, and she's really she's being shifty. She's downplaying everything that happens. Uh, she's not admitting responsibility to it. Mm-hmm. She vows to find whoever did it, but she doesn't seem upset at all. <laughs> And where we go from here, Dr. Mengers? Well, I'm personally going to head a full-scale investigation into this incident. I'm supposed to discover who is responsible to make absolutely certain that nothing like this could possibly happen again. As an expert in tropical species, what danger is there in the possibility of the piranha reaching the ocean? Oh, none at all. Most of them will have been destroyed by pollution at the end of the lake. Of course, if any of them did get through, there's no way they could survive the salt water. There's nothing left to fear. As she smiles directly yeah, into the camera. There's nothing to fear. I fucking love her. Barbara Steele is like one of the OG screen queens. Yeah. She is in so many good movies like uh, Black Sunday. Uh, it's, Ooh, it's great. Yeah. Black Sunday. Mask of the Witch. I don't remember any of these. I'm sure I don't, we've watched no, I don't think we have watched that one before and I would love to watch it with you because well, it's honestly well, so good. Well, We should. I would yeah. love that. Uh, and then... Uh, we can hear the sound. We close yes. on the sound of the piranha over an idyllic scene of a man fishing in the ocean, waves crashing up against the shore. And then there's weird theremin electronic music that takes us out to our credits. The end? Ooh. No, because there's a sequel. Oh, they actually... fly in the sequel. They fly yeah, in the they're sequel. They're like flying fish. I guess that makes sense. That one did jump out and bite that dude's nose. <laughs> So yeah, I like yeah. this movie. I think it's like really good. It's better than a lot of the the post Jaws ripoffs, like Orca and stuff. Oh yeah, very. It was silly, but it was like you should watch Orca too. I don't think we've ever watched that one together. It has Bo Derek in it, and the the Orca kills people. Yeah, nice. I nice. think it was shot in Halifax too. It's I, I'm pretty sure it's Canadian. <laughs> they are killer whales, I guess. We this was. 
I think very similar to Humanoids from the Deep, which we just watched the other day too. Oh yeah. Which was also very good. Yeah. We should talk about that one. Yeah, we should. We have been watching. We've been on a strip of watching <laughs> the worst, most for well, allegedly the worst, most forgotten movies we've ever been able to find. And they've all been real like stuff that never in any BuzzFeed list or any <laughs> even like the most obscure things. And they're really good. Did you ever used to go water skiing or anything? When we went to my parents used to rent a cabin. And the resort that we would rent it from would have that available. Like you could rent boats and stuff, but my parents never wanted to drive a boat. And now that I say that out loud, I never really wanted to go water skiing or anything. It seems dangerous and scary. I've never been water skiing, but we used to go um, tubing at the cottage in the summer. I went tubing once. And we would like push the front down. And then you would like go underwater for a bit. So you're you're essentially waterboarding yourself, but it was fun. And we would pretend like we were getting drugged down by a shark or something. I like it. And even though it's like (laughs) this uh, freshwater lake in the middle of Northwestern Ontario, like when you would fall off of the tube and you were waiting for the boat to come back around, there's like always that fear of like, ooh, well, yeah, and am I gonna get eaten? And there's like uh, musky and stuff, which yeah. are massive fish anyway. But the one, the the place that I went, I don't think any of the fish were carnivorous like the musky. Mm-hmm. But it was as soon as it stopped being sand, it was immediately all like rotting organic matter on the bottom, and Whoa. and you could like it was like up. When you're a foot in the water, mm-hmm. that's when it started, and it was that way for the whole lake. And when you were in the middle of it, it was like being over a big black pit. But I'm sure it was the same way for your lake. Yeah. Uh, my grandmother... So I grew up in northwestern Ontario, so there's like a lot of lakes. Yeah. And uh, my house was on a different lake than my grandmother's lake, and her lake was an entirely different ecosystem. That's so interesting. And uh, it was so deep like it was colder and deeper and it was like one of those things where you would walk out and then there was a sudden drop off so it went from like (laughs) like five and a half feet to like 20 feet that's so scary but it was fun to plan yeah i bet and those two lakes are pretty close to each other geographically too that's so interesting they have completely different ecosystems yeah man Hmm. I think they're also joined by a dam, so but they sometimes open. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, yeah, Piranha. Piranha. Do you have any hot deets about the I production? I do. So we'll start with our six degrees of Jamie Lee. Oh, yeah. As, as always. Mm-hmm. So we're going from the actress playing Laura, Melody Thomas Scott. For some reason, I want to call her Melody Scott Thomas, and I think it's because I'm thinking of Kristen Scott Thomas, but that makes no sense and i don't know why i said it because it doesn't matter i get them confused all the time (laughs) so melody thomas scott was in the car in 1977 with uh, a young kyle richards who was lindsey wallace in halloween with jamie lee curtis and also aunt of paris hilton nice yeah excellent (laughs) so i will now talk about the production of the movie i'm excited i don't have a lot but i do have some stuff that i was able to find so how did they cast the some... piranhas yeah <laughs> took some digging to find it honestly uh but lots of it i was able to find in like a an entertainment weekly article and the original press kit is online which i thought was pretty oh, exciting sweet. so it was directed by uh, joe dante who 
this was his first solo directing uh, experience. So he would obviously go on to direct like Gremlins and Howling and uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So this was like his first big jump. So he uh, worked for Roger Corman as at uh, first he was like a, a trailer editor and then he went on to uh, start like co-directing a couple things so he co-directed hollywood boulevard and rock and roll high school and so this was like like i said his first big solo directing mm-hmm. gig so the whole idea for this movie came about when the executive producer jeff schechtman came up with the idea around like 1974 1975 and he hired a writer to do the screenplay and began shopping it around for a producer. Roger Corman, who is the film's producer and is a huge film producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about lots of his movies. Yeah. And so he agreed to buy the movie. But according to Joe Dante, they both thought that the script was awful. And another writer named John Sales, was brought in to work on the script. Oh, dear. So in the original, the author hadn't really figured out, uh, I think his name is Rob Robinson, he hadn't really figured out what to do after the people found out that there were piranhas in the water. (laughs) So there was a bear that chased them back into the water to get eaten by piranhas. And then after they'd gotten rid of the bear, there was a forest fire. So they had to go back into the water to get eaten by the piranhas. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Which is gosh. not great. So they decided to uh, rewrite it, obviously. Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> wow. What a different movie that would have been. Yeah. Well, they killed Smokey. That's why there was the forest fire, because he was no longer able to watch <laughs> out for it. It was filmed over 30 days, so pretty quick. Yeah. On a budget of $600,000. And. Obviously, it was made in an attempt to capitalize and riff off of Jaws. Water horror. So although most of the movie takes place in the summer, it was actually shot in the late winter. And the extras were paid $5 a day and given a box lunch. It was shot in the winter. Yeah. Eh? But most most of the underwater photography and the interiors were done in Los Angeles. Mm. And the exteriors like the attack sequences were all filmed in texas oh that's good yeah so both warm locales yeah and uh it had a pretty substantial special effects budget for on a six hundred thousand dollar budget it had uh, fifty thousand dollars allocated to special effects wow and rick baker who did the special effects for american werewolf in london videodrome uh he was a consultant on the howling He was originally attached to do the special effects for the movie, but he ended up recommending uh, makeup artist Rob Booten instead, who was only 17. Wow. Yeah. So he worked on... I think that's pretty awesome. I think the other guy's name is like Dutton, Phil Dutton. Don't quote me on that. That's probably wrong, and I apologize. Dutton, quote him on it. (laughs) Most of the underwater photography, at, like I said, were was filmed in L.A. with the mechanical fish, the fish replicas, and the fish puppets, and live piranha being shot in like a large outdoor tank. Hmm. Uh, like, for example, during Betsy's death scene, it was made to look like she was sinking yeah. because they tied ropes 
to her and the crew pulled her down and she had 30 fake fish strapped to her body with gaffer tape oh and so it looked like they were following her and uh roger corman demanded a reshoot of the scene because he wanted more blood sucks for her apparently they got that request a lot to add more blood I can tell because the the injuries a lot of the times are not that severe, but there is a lot of blood. The sounds that the piranhas make was actually done using dental drills. That's scary. Yeah, it's it's unclear how exactly they did it, but it's probably they held the dental uh, drill underwater mm-hmm. and like recorded it. It's uh, like a primal thing. Originally, the role of Doctor Hoke was played by a soap opera actor named Eric Braden. Um, they even shot footage with him and they used, I'm not sure where they used it in the movie, but it caused some interesting drama because the special effects team dumped so much foliage and fake blood into the pool that they were using that they actually ended up creating this fungus that was apparently hard to classify. <laughs> so they had scientists come from Sacramento to try and figure out what it was. And it was some sort of new fungus life form that they had created. That is fucking hilarious. <laughs> so it was in the pool and naturally as a result, it was in their lungs as well. Ew. So they had to like sandblast the pool and uh, understandably that actor dropped out of the film. Yeah. So it was recast. What are the odds? That's crazy. Invent an alien life form. That's a movie in yeah. itself. That let's let's watch that movie. <laughs> so as it, it was a Corman film, it was expected to have a certain level of exploitation because he was uh, like the, the schlock yep, god. Yep. And there was never enough gore for him. I think we talked about it in the Slumber Party Massacre 2 because the director of that mentioned that when you're doing a Corman film, there's like a nudity expectation. Yeah, that explains the piranha breasts. Yeah. Heather uh, Menzies, who plays Maggie, was supposed to be topless in the film when she flashes the MP. But she felt uncomfortable with being filmed topless and her husband had a huge uh, issue with it as well. So she told Joe Dante that she wasn't going to do it. So they had to audition women to to play her breasts. Yeah, I'll bet they had to audition them. (laughs) They shot the scene with Heather Menzies, um, just like her opening her shirt, Mm -hmm. but she had a bra on. And then they did a cut scene using the actress, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. that they hired to be her breast double, who is actually the waitress from the Holiday Inn that they were staying at. (laughs) Um, and the reason that she got the part was Joe Dante was so embarrassed and hated doing it so much that he just picked the first person. Oh, that's good. At least yeah. I would be embarrassed having to do that too, but, uh, like audition people and everything, but I don't know. Can you imagine that pitch to the, <laughs> at the, Hey, you want to be in pictures? I'm a big time producer. Yeah. <laughs> when the movie ended up getting released, it was actually a pretty big hit. Uh, New World Pictures, which is the production company. This is like their highest grossing film. It ended up making like... Wow. Uh, I think it was like $16 million domestically. Not bad. Uh, and it was also really popular in South America because they actually have piranha fish there. You get to watch Americans eaten by yeah. piranhas. Yeah. So Universal mm-hmm. uh, tried to sue them as well for ripping off Jaws. Really? But... <laughs> 
when Steven Spielberg saw the movie in an, an advanced screening, he loved it so much and they dropped the lawsuit. Oh, that's good. And they're not that, I mean, high level, they're very similar, but mm-hmm. nitty gritty, not at all. And like Joe Dante would, of course, go on to direct Gremlins for Steven Spielberg. Mm, well, that's great. Yeah. Appreciation through uh, duplication. Yeah. And then, like I said, there is a sequel. I doubt we'll ever talk about it, but we might. But um, another big, big name attachment to this was that the sequel was going to be directed by James Cameron. Wow. But then he got fired. I'm not sure why. Interesting. So that is the story of Piranha. Imagine what a James Cameron Piranha would have been. It probably would have been nuts. And insufferable (laughs) at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, Good movie. Fun little yaunt. Nice little gem, yeah, I think. Yeah. Pretty pretty good. Mindless mindless entertainment, yeah. which is always yeah. nice. Sometimes the best form of entertainment. <laughs> Environmentalist message. Always open trailing ponds into into uh fresh water. Definitely. And um children should be eaten, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Only if they're dumb enough not to uh, move or get to shore yeah. on their own. Yeah. While they're getting their toes nibbled on. Survival of the swimmest. So I guess we will say goodbye. Yeah. Uh, we got nothing else to say. So get out of here. Go. Straight to our social media. Yeah. Deaf First Blood, which is our Twitter. Twitter. Okay. Uh, definitely First Blood is our Instagram and definitely First Blood at gmail.com is our email. Make sure if you're listening to us on a platform like Stitcher or anything like that, that you rate us, please. It it sucks to have to ask for it, but like it does help get the the message. It signal boosts us. Algorithms are involved. It's very scary. But if you do your part, we will thank you even more sincerely than we already will. Thank you very much for listening. This has been episode 24. As always, we are definitely first blood. Goodbye. Farewell. Bye. Good night. And good luck.